the mindset that has been absolutely emblazoned into their brain is thou shalt not spend. Yep. Hang on to it as tight as you can. Save, 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 save. Always save. So what's this podcast all about, this financial sobriety thing we're doing? It certainly isn't a traditional conversation about money. There's lots of great people in our industry that talk the traditional game. This is going to be a very unconventional conversation about those three unbelievably complicated relationships that when you put them all together, you don't necessarily think of them this way, but the relationship that you have with money, the relationship you have with your people that mean the most to you, and then the relationship that you have with the person in the mirror. You mean those three relationships go together? They do, and it's a very complex interrelationship between them. And when those get a little bit out of whack, interesting things happen. Do you know anything about that? We should probably introduce ourselves. Who are you? Good idea, Jim Gebhardt. And I'm Matthew Grishman. I'm your author of the book, Financial Sobriety, and we are going to have some great conversations, so stick around. You're back in school, I understand. I am back in school. It's my gratitude today. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's your gratitude today? That's my gratitude today. This Brain damage? Coming from the kid who took the sabbatical after junior year at the great state university of New York at Albany, I am back in college. That's awesome. I am taking the first half of a master's degree in finance. And the first half of the master's degree in finance is something otherwise known as the Certified Financial Planner Professional, the CFP designation. Got it. This is something I probably should have done 27 years ago, Meh. but... The next best time was today. <laughs> it sure was. And yeah, to your point, I'm I'm really happy to see that... The How do, C- no, the stop, C- stop. What? How does that feel? Let's not buzz into the content and the <laughs> behavioral <laughs> stuff. Thank you. I need, uh, help, but slow, I need help slowing down slow, today. Slow it down and, I mean... How do you feel about this exercise? How do you feel about stepping into the great unknown of the CFP designation? Scared shitless Mm -hmm. and really, really excited. Mm -hmm. Like, this is really right. Mm -hmm. It just, it feels right. I feel good. I feel like I've gone through the first few modules of the first of seven classes. So I'm, you know, I'm just getting started. But what I'm learning and how excited I am to learn it as I'm learning it is awesome. I've never had this experience of learning before where, I mean, I've loved learning practically, like with my hands as as you and I have progressed through our craft and through the business. And I learn more with every new client who shows up with a unique circumstance. So my, you know, my learning has been going to Google and going to YouTube and all these wonderful online tools to learn stuff. But this is the first time I can think in my entire life where I've gone through formal education, and I've really enjoyed the process. Nice. I love it. I'm loving this. Loving this. Isn't it classic that you are scared shitless and excited all at the same time? That That is, that is as I've matured emotionally in my life, that is when I know I'm on the right path. Yeah. If I'm staring down the barrel of something that scares me, I'm on the right path. Yeah. Yeah. I used to run away from that. I'm starting to get clearer on that, where if, if I'm looking at something and I'm scared, but I can't look away for some reason, I need those two together. If I'm really, really scared, but I can't take my eyes off this thing and I can't stop thinking about this thing, I'm learning how to lean into that a little more. I'm learning how to flinch forward into that instead of flinching away from that. And, you know, you've been with me on this. The last year, I've, I've had this gnawing at me about wanting to up my game, wanting to get better at the craft, whether that's 
getting but the little the little man on your shoulder has been saying what? Oh, it, it's the CFP. I can't do that. It's the CFP over here, right? Because I've been looking at other things to get that information. But there's this little gnawing, whispering in my ear going, you got to get the CFP. And then I got this other guy on the other shoulder going, you're not smart enough. You're not good enough. Right. That's not for you. That's for really smart people like Jim. That's that's for for other other people. people. Right. Yeah. Right. That's not for you. Yeah. Guess what? And you you said you're flinching forward. Yeah, which gets this guy falling backwards. (laughs) It's like he falls off my shoulder when I do that. It's like, beat it. It feels really, really right. What are you grateful for today? Behavioral finance. <laughs> I love it. Uh, I love it. I am, I am grateful for the fact that you are leaning into something, as my kids would say, uh, that's very scary. Yes, they would. And they've all said it that way. And they've all said it that way. How is and it that all four of your kids would say it the same as they all, they all they had s- that? They still say it's kind of scary. <laughs> <laughs> it's scary. I love your kids. It's scary, oh. Daddy. Oh, they're the best. It's very scary. <laughs> I'm grateful for you challenging yourself on that. And I, too, am looking for that. Yeah. I, one of the crazy things that I've come to learn about myself is how much I enjoy learning. Hmm. For instance, if you ask me to go, this is going to sound like Grandpa, but if you ask me to go to the library, it has to be something I'm going to learn from. I don't, I'm not sure if I have ever read a fictional book in my life. You've never read a fictional novel? I don't think so. Like John Grisham or... No, no. Really? No. Tom Clancy? No, no. My father has all of them. Yeah. All of them in hardback, like they're one of his prized possessions. Hard copy, not hardback. All the Clancy books? Uh Uh-huh. And Grisham. Grisham? Grishman. Grisham, my long, dear, distant cousin, according to my grandfather. I'm hardwired that way. Hmm. And I think, a ch- I think a challenge for me in 2023 would be to go read one of these things. I just learned something new today. Well, hey, I can't give all my material away in the first three years. Well, in the spirit of learning, and I just learned something new about you today. So my, no my gratitude is that you're embracing this and you're diving in to the deep end of the pool with all the other scary monsters in the yeah. pool. Yeah. Because it's going to challenge me to go figure out what's my it. Yeah, we'll What's, help you what, with that. What am I going to go? I got some ideas. Yeah. I got a couple of two, three things on the uh, <laughs> drawing board, but uh, the drawing board's, it's covered up right now. Yeah, that's okay. We'll get there. We, we, got a lot of, we got a lot of stuff going on right now. So tell me about behavioral finance. Well, what's amazing about- What is that, first of all? I mean, isn't this show really about how you behave with your finances? So one of, one of the things I'm learning, yes. I mean, that, that's what our show is all about is behavior as it relates to our relationship with money and how that behavior, as a result of our financial behavior, how that affects our relationships that with the people in our lives. and The, the old rela- trickle down. Yeah, the relationship we have with ourselves. The spillover. Yeah, that, that is what the show's about. What has been so impressive to me about what the Financial Planning Board has done is they've really stepped up the game and recognized. Certified Financial Planning Board. I think they just refer to themselves as the Financial Planning Board. Oh, they do? Yeah. Oh, you would know better than I. I, was, I mean, it's my, my like tattoo right is a little blurry. It's I, a little it's a little worn yeah, off. We gotta get that. I gotta get re-inked. That's why I ordered the book so you could re-ink your okay, tattoos. Okay, I gotta get it re-inked. Yeah, yeah. What I'm really, really grateful for is that the planning board has realized that so much of the decisions people make are 
emotional based. One one of the what? You, right? Did, is, did this, you just, is this breaking news? Did you just learn something new today? Where's Wolf Blitzer right now? We need to be in the Situation Room. Well, so the first module I went through. Are you kidding? You mean money is an emotional subject? It, can you believe it? Wow. Thank heavens we haven't talked about that over the last three For years of this podcast. 87 freaking episodes? <laughs> well, so, the, finan- so the, the financial planning board must have been listening to our show. I think I, so. I think this is all, yeah. you know, because we're a big deal. Right. So... What what's really cool in the very first module of the very first class talks about cognitive errors versus emotional errors, cognitive biases versus emotional biases. And, you know, the cognitive stuff is basically when we when we have bad information and we make bad choices as a result of having bad information, mm. whereas these emotional errors that we can make, these behavioral errors, these emotional biases that we have, they're much different. They come from a very different place. Mm-hmm. And what what the planning board is trying to help me understand is how much more successful I can generally be at helping people deal with cognitive error than I can with some of these behavioral errors and some of these emotional biases. Because the the emotional choices and the behavioral finance, the challenge in that world is that we are so deeply ingrained in some of these beliefs that we have that translate into values that sometimes things like confirmation bias Right. What's confirmation bias? Uh, whether or not you're going to get confirmed it, in the Catholic Church. In the Catholic Church, when it you're is. you're uh, 14. Right. But if you're not a Catholic. I was confirmed. You were confirmed. I was. So you probably have a lot of confirmation bias. I, I must. You must. Well, let, let's see if they match up. Confirmation bias is one of those things where you're going to look for information that supports what you already believe. Oh, 100%. And you're going to shut out. You bet. Whatever challenges oh, yeah. what you believe. Right? If I want to buy this stock, I'm going to find every little itty-bitty piece of research that supports that is going to support why I want to buy this stock. Exactly. And, and sometimes as a financial professional, that's hard to help people overcome. There are these things called endowment biases. biases. Oh, I want, can I get an endowment? You can. Where do I get one? Uh, 1-800-HARVARD-UNIVERSITY. Oh, they're going to give me some of theirs? Well, they got the biggest one, so let's start with the biggest one if we're going to ask. I mean, the only answer to the question if we don't ask is no. Did you say endowment bias? Endowment bias. Yeah. What, well, what do you I, think I that have, is? Well, I have an, a, I definitely have a bias for wanting one. Well, imagine if your father worked at General Electric his whole career, and you inherited a whole bunch of General Electric stock from your dad back in the day when you know they made refrigerators and light bulbs, and they were the biggest company in the world and the greatest company in the world. So imagine you inherit a million dollars worth of General Electric stock from Wes. Yes. And I, as your financial advisor, talk to you about how important it is to diversify. Well, this has been a great stock for my family for generations there, son. Exactly. You don't have any idea what you're talking about. Exactly. That's endowment bias. Oh, that's what that is. And there's an emotional connection to that that is sometimes hard to break, hard to deal with. No, you just get a bigger hammer. <laughs> That's true. I'm still looking for the bigger hammer. Maybe I'll find that in the third or fourth class. One of our dearest, longest clients who is now in his 70s, his grandfather went to work, I believe, if I remember correctly, as a ditch digger for ExxonMobil. Ooh. He put so much every paycheck into ExxonMobil stock. Yeah. Upon his death in 1960-something, mom got the stock. I don't believe she ever sold a share in her lifetime. Went to our client, 
who really it wasn't until we reached the point of kind of ridiculousness mm-hmm. where I was like, um, your whole financial shtick is predicated on one pillar of a foundation. And in the great town of Houston, there was another company hmm. that was heard, somewhat ooh. somewhat similar that also started with an E. Oh, Ever Ready? Uh-huh. Almost. E-Trade? Enron. Oh, yeah. I remember those guys. And as soon as I made that, how do you say comparison? Do you say com- I don't, comparison? No, you, there's only one way to say comparison. Yeah. Okay. Only one way to say the thief of all joy. Right. As soon as we compared the Exxon to the Enron, mm-hmm. he sold it. Huh. Wow. So no endowment bias. So that, that I love that. That's my, I learned a new f- so you overcame. Fun phrase today. You overcame the endowment bias. I've had clients with Sun Microsystems, if you remember back in the day. I remember those guys. Uh, and Not da- so sunny Endowment anymore. virus. Yeah. A virus? Endowment virus? It oh, virus. could be a virus. B- bias. A bias could turn into a virus. There we go. Uh, Yahoo bias. Mm-hmm. We've, See, had, some we've other... had Chevron bias. We've, we've had, had Microsoft <sighs> bias. We've had... Apple virus, virus, Apple. Bias. Isn't it funny how and virus comes out more Freudian naturally? Slipping, right? Yeah. How about the big one, Tesla bias? A slight Tesla bias. We've had a slight Tesla bias. Yeah. Yes. My my favorite my favorite behavioral bias. Oh, I know. How, how can I not Costco's. share this? No, no. It's Costco's. Well, it's tied to Costco's. Is called self control bias. Uh huh. This is literally in the financial planning book, brother. I'm sorry. I couldn't quite understand what you just said. Can you repeat that, please? Self-control bias. Uh-huh. And I don't even... Do you need I'm, me to I'm, define it? I am speechless. Well, I'm sitting in front of you. Are you, you the I'm picture? The, Are I am, you the picture in the, in, the, in the manual? This entire show <laughs> was built because somebody has a self-control bias. <laughs> Literally, self-control bias is, despite having information that would tell me long-term planning makes sense, someone who lives under self-control bias makes financial decisions based on impulses and feelings and how they are in the very moment with no regard for the information they have as to how detrimental that'll be to their long-term financial health. Okay, well, I we might have to cut the show short today because I have a very urgent situation that I need to address, <laughs> which is uh, notifying the very senior levels of uh, the CFP board that they need to rename that the Grishman rule. <laughs> we might get there. <laughs> Self-control bias, uh-huh. a.k.a. the swiper no swiping bias. Yes, yes. The and, impulse bias. And you and I have had enough experience now where... People have reached out to us who've listened to the show. We, we've had a number of people reach out to us, and we've been able to help a handful of people with a couple of little nuggets here and there. And then We have four hands, so and, we can help more people. We can, and four feet. And then, of course, we've had a few people who wound up being a great fit to become a client of ours in our private practice at Gebhardt Group. And probably the number one bias that we've had the greatest struggle with, not just clients who we've met through this show, but clients we've met all over is the self-control bias, is this idea of using money as a way to fill this incredible hole in my soul right now because of a feeling that I have that I don't like, because of a situation or a circumstance I can't fix, and the feelings that come with that, and boy, is money just a great tool to help me feel better in the moment, irregardless of the fact that my financial advisors, Jim and Matthew, have 
shared with me the consequences, the potential long-term consequences of those choices. I'm the poster child of that. Were. Were. Tense. Get your tense right. Jill's listening, so get your tense right. <laughs> Sorry, Ma. By the way, happy birthday, Mama. Happy birthday to Jill. Yes. So, yes, it, it, big, big, long circle back. This show really is about behavioral finance, and I'm so grateful for the CFP board for making that such a big part of the curriculum that they literally changed a month ago. That A month ago? In the, Feb, the November exam, November 22 exam, was the first exam given by the CFP board that incorporated this much behavioral finance conversation. So That's you wanted to, you wanted to get our stuff into curriculums around the world, school curriculums, guess what? Somehow unintentionally it's starting to show up in the curriculum that's being taught to the professionals in our industry who have the courage to step up and go get themselves the designation, what I feel is the highest designation of the land in our profession. To take that a, a step further, and I'm, I'm not – uh, picking on my beloved friend and senior senator from New York here, or upstate California. Were. Get it right. Uh, sure. Is the fact that this change is really going to affect, I will call it the future generation of, of financial planners. Yes. That to the old codgers, God bless them, for doing what they do. All the present value, future value guys. Yeah. Uh -huh. The present value guys who have the CFP and gals who have the CFP, that was not part of their curriculum. So this new era, this new generation of financial planners that I am going to be very excited to spend time with are going to be, I think, a little bit more equipped yeah. to battle the demons that people have with their money. I right? agree. Yes. I mean, you and I have spent the vast majority of our career working with seniors, let's say, of the greatest generation or the children of the greatest generation combating the fact that either they grew up or their parents grew up in the Great Depression and the behavioral finance and the mindset that has been absolutely emblazoned into their brain is thou shalt not spend. Yep. Hang on to it as tight as you can. Save, Don't save, spend. save, save, save. Always save. I just had this call yesterday with longtime clients, 20 plus year clients. Husband's now 87 years old. Sounds 47. I haven't seen them in a while, and they don't, they don't do the Zoom thing. And over the last few years, they've saved $360,000. Wow. This is a very, very, very nothing extraordinary here. There aren't like six rental properties. They own one very modest retirement home. This is just literally setting aside some of their goes-ins and not spending it yes. all. That's, yes. So it doesn't sound to me like they're in the distribution gifting phase of life. That's no. the technical term that the CFP board wants me to learn. Uh, well, I would I would kind of like them to be. They have a very complicated kind of Jim Gebhardt-esque family diagram uh, in terms of the spaghetti diagram that uh -huh. is their family is a blended marriage. Mm -hmm. So sure, they that would be lovely to get to some, some gifting, but I, I emphasize them as an example of they, they won't spend money. Hmm. Like, do you have any big, big purchases or plans or cruises or anything. No, 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 we're going to, we're, we're still kind of in saving mode. And I'm like, oh, okay. you know what the, do you want to learn? You want to learn something new today? Uh, let's keep coming. You know yeah. what the technical term for that emotional bias is? No, I don't. Loss aversion bias. There are two, there are, so there's risk aversion bias and then there's loss aversion bias. 
loss aversion bias, there's really two components to that. There's a lot of biases. Uh-huh. There's a lot of biases. And we got and this is why I have hope for the future generations of our industry as well, is I'm, that they're I'm, gonna be more equipped to deal with this I'm stuff. I'm smelling some future shows here on biases. Uh-huh. Absolutely. Which is part of what we're going to talk about here in a minute. So loss and risk aversion. Law, well, specifically to this loss aversion theory, there, there are two sides to it. One is obviously this idea of losing money in the market, right? Losing losing money that I have. That's risk aversion. That's, that's loss. There, well, there are two sides of loss aversion. Losing my money via spending it, losing my money via investing it. Sure. And on the investing side, that is where people will literally not invest in something even though the the opportunity to make money is just as available as the opportunity to lose money. But because there is an opportunity to lose money there, they'd rather just stay in cash and not invest their money at all. That's part of loss aversion bias. The other side of it is the client you just described, where they come from that greatest generation, where they were just taught, thou shalt not spend, thou shalt not spend, so thou always has. And there's this fear, this emotional bias of this fear of running out of money. Because they literally experience it either as directly or indirectly. Yes. At some point in their life, they had a brush with that. There's an experience that they had that the risk of not having money is always going to be in the back of their mind. And for a financial planner to be equipped, you know, who would have thought we'd ever be in the business of encouraging our clients to spend their money, to use their money? It's very counterproductive to what's healthy for our business. Sure. Right? Keep keep the money in our house so we can keep sure. earning Sit our fees. Sit still and be quiet and just leave the money there. Right. You, you and I have devoted our lives to taking a much different approach, which yes. is use your money in alignment with the people, places, and experiences that mean the most to you. And if you don't, we're going to be two nagging pains in your ass holding you accountable to that, right? And and we've just learned that by doing that and being true to our clients, new people tend to show up. So it all works out in the end. We're all good. Okay. I know this isn't the voice you expected. It's Ace here. And as you know, I produce Financial Sobriety with Jim and Matthew. Well, here's a surprise. The episode went long. But then again, what would you expect from two guys who could talk to a wrong number for 30 minutes? I really felt the nature of the session would split nicely now that you've heard about financial biases and certified financial planning. Tomorrow, you'll hear a very robust discussion on reflection of three seasons, three years, and 87 episodes of Financial Sobriety. I think you're going to really enjoy the conversation. If you like what you heard, leave us a review and be sure to subscribe. And check out our website, yourfinancialsobriety.com. Thanks again for listening today. Here to help you find more clarity, confidence, and capability along your journey into financial sobriety. I'm Matthew Grishman. And I'm Jim Gebhardt. Be intentional with your money. Jim Gebhardt is a registered representative of and securities offered through Brokers International Financial Services, LLC, member SIPC. Jim Gebhardt and Matthew Grishman are investment advisor representatives of Gebhardt Group Incorporated, a registered investment advisor. Brokers International Financial Services, LLC, and Gebhardt Group Incorporated are not affiliated. The opinions in this podcast are for informational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or investment recommendations. 
To determine which investments or financial advice may be appropriate for you, consult a financial advisor prior to investing. Any reference to market performance is based on historical information and there is no expressed or implied guarantee of future performance. Opinions expressed on this program do not necessarily reflect those of Brokers International Financial Services, LLC. The topics discussed and opinions given are not intended to address the specific needs of any listener. Gebhardt Group Incorporated does not offer legal or tax advice. Listeners are encouraged to discuss their financial needs with the appropriate professional regarding your individual circumstance.